Father God, tonight we bless you. Lord, we praise you, we magnify you, we honor you. Thank you for another day. Thank you for another opportunity to bless your name. We receive the refreshing that comes from your presence tonight. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus. We honor you, we bless you. We thank you for helping us in our time together. That your name will be praised forever. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Welcome tonight. Uh, I'm just quickly going to go over some of the partner points that we talked about last Sunday and uh, see if there are any further questions that we can address. And then we're going to pray. We're going to pray for our singles tonight. And as I said on Sunday, even though we are addressing the issue of singles and, and wholeness, I think it's very instructive for us that our parents to take a cue from some of the things we are talking about so that as your young single ones begin to get to that age when they have to make a decision, you'll be better able to help them through that process. Psalms 127, in verse 1, the Bible says, except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that do it. Hollywood can never build a house. Uh, this evening, I just, uh, I don't know where I came across this information. Uh, I think this must have been in the Grammy Awards. It had, Hollywood just did something maybe last week. I can't remember what it was. Is it Oscar? Okay, nobody here. There's no TM, TMZ. <laughs> Praise God. I don't know where I got the information this evening. But anyway, uh, I saw this picture of uh, Clint Eastwood. And they said on a very rare occasion, six of his children were with him at the red carpet as he was getting his award. But the interesting thing about that whole story was, this man had seven kids, six were there with him, and they said those six kids were from four different women. Now, these are the models, if you will, the celebrities that most of our world clamor about, that they embrace and follow. And so to just read that as a six kids by four different women, that is definitely not God's plan for any of us. And that will not be our portion in Jesus' name. And so with that being said, except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that do build it. And... Uh, one of the most revolutionary concepts that we mentioned on Sunday that I will mention again just now as we move on is this issue of being not just single but being whole. W-H-O-L-E. That word whole means to be complete or to be well. So what we are faced with, for many of us, me inclusive as a single person, it's a situation where you have men and women who are not whole or complete marrying somebody else that's not whole and complete. So when the Bible says the two of you shall come together and become one, that equation was assuming that a whole person and a whole person 
is what's joined together to become one. But in reality, from our experiences, when a man and a woman comes together, not being whole in, in and of themselves, they don't become one. They become less than one. Did, did, did I confuse anybody? Lena, did I confuse you? you did you get it? <laughs> this guy. I'm not talking to you again. <laughs> no, but seriously, think about that. The scripture, when it says a man and woman will come together and become one, that, when that scripture was given in Genesis, it was a time of innocence. A time when a man was whole, the woman was whole, and therefore the expectation was, hey, two whole people becomes one. But that's not the reality that we're faced with now because, as we found out in the four-chapter gospel, and for those of you who are hearing that term for the first time, what we're saying with that is the gospel message has been reduced to two chapters. When I say two chapters, I'm not, I'm not saying literally two chapters in the book. I'm talking about the demarcation of the message. Four chapters. Chapter number one, creation. Creation tells us things as they were, past tense. Chapter number two, the fall of man, which tells us things as they are, present tense. Man is still falling. Man is still falling. My wife and I were having a conversation the other day, and, and it's just mind-blowing to see Beautiful babies born in the hospital. We all Google and, oh, wow, look at him. Look at his nose. Look at his legs. The young boy or girl is a sinner. It doesn't matter how beautiful they are, how good looking they are. From the moment they were born into the world, they were born into a sinful world and came tainted with sin. Because that's the way things are. The fallen man. All have sinned and come short of the glory. Romans 3, verse 23. All, nobody's excluded. Every one of us came limping. No matter how good looking you look in, in the cradle, in the bassinet, you are still a limper. <laughs> Sin makes us all limp. Unfortunately, some limp more than others. So for those that's limping terribly, you say, oh wow, they need real help. And those that did not limp quite as badly will overlook the help that they may need to get. So chapter number one, creation, things as they were. Chapter number two, the fallen man, things as they are. Chapter number three, redemption. Things as it could be. And we use the term could be because everybody's not born again. But everybody could be born again. And chapter number four, restoration. Things as they will be. So those four chapters become critical. So for anybody, and in particular a single person, you need to first address chapter one. I mean, can you imagine what happens when you, if you get a letter, if, if I was to write you a letter, and the letter were four pages, and you decide, you know what, I'm horrid. I don't have time to read all four pages. I'm going to start from page two and read page two and page three. And, and do, do you think you get the gist of the letter? You don't. That's what's happening. That's what's happened to our world. 
And because of that, we are not really able to touch and minister to unbelievers adequately. Because we are coming at them with things the way they are and things the way they could be and we totally omit things the way they were. Because my redemption and your redemption is to reconnect us to things the way they were supposed to be. God had a plan. He had a purpose for creating us. And that purpose and plan predated the fallen man. You follow what I'm saying? So that is so basic and so huge. It is basic and it's huge. However, because of the fallenness of man, everyone that comes to the earth came as a sinner. And therefore, not complete, not whole. Not complete, not whole. Think about that for a minute. So we already came limping. On top of that, things happened to us growing up. At home, at school, at work, in your other relationships, that compound the limping situation. Based on our interaction with those around us. They are not so kind. They didn't affirm us. Uh, they disappointed us. Things happened. And all of those things are compounding effect on the sin effect. And so, we get born again. Let me read the scripture in Colossians chapter 2, in verse 10. Thank goodness everybody in this room is born again. Colossians 2.10. Well, Colossians 2, chapter nine, 2, verse 9. Verse 9 says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Verse 10 says, And you are complete in him. We get born again. Our born again spirit immediately becomes completed. We are made whole in our spirit. But in order for you and I to experience the benefit of that wholeness and that completion, we have a little responsibility. Second Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter 3. Verse 16. What does it say? It says, all scripture... Is given by inspiration of God. If I really, you know what, to do it justice, let me start from verse 14. This is Paul, a father, talking to Timothy, his son. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. Look at what it says to him. But you must continue in the things you have learned and be assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Verse 15. And that from childhood, you have known the what? Holy Scriptures. Now, this is important, because for, especially for us parents. We buy our kids everything else. We hold them accountable for everything else, but not the Scriptures. I mean, these kids can go, they can learn chemistry, physics, every, I mean, all, they, they can watch the most crazy, the most complex movie. And they can tell it from A to Z, the different parts. They're not the whole, the, whole, the whole thing. 
But for some reason, we think they cannot learn the scriptures. And here Paul is telling Timothy, you have learned this thing from your childhood. From childhood. It's important because you need to, you need to see where, where this is going. Okay? Verse 15, that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. Now, this is, this is amazing. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Salvation there is not talking about being born again. It's talking about wholeness. Being born again. Prosperity. Peace. Wholeness. Joy. It's a package. So he's telling him. And then he goes on in verse 16. This is where we're going. All scripture. Timothy. Bank. Sharon. Salvation. Lee. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable, even though you don't think it's profitable. Timothy, let me remind you, you may not think so now. You may not agree with it now. You may not see it now. But I'm telling you, Timothy, if you pay attention, all scripture is profitable. And he begins to tell him how. It's profitable for doctrine, which is teaching. For reproof, that's adjustment. For correction, when you are wrong. For instruction in righteousness. This is the only way you're going to know how to live this righteous life. Hollywood will not tell you that. Fox News will not tell you. CNN will not tell you. The only way you will know how to live right is through the scriptures. Why? Why do we read it? Verse 17. That the man of God may be complete. What happened to you in Christ Jesus, the only way you'll be able to work it out and manifest it is you need to read the scriptures. The scriptures is what tells you, helps you to understand what you've been made to be and gives you the ability and the power to live it out and work it out. So I'm saying all of that to say, when we talk about singles and whole, there can be no single that is whole without being a good Wordsmith. Did you get that? Man, you guys are looking at me funny. <laughs> Wordsmith. What do I mean by that? Proficient in the word of God. Proficient in the word of God. Proficient in the things of God. And when you're proficient, there will be certain manifestation. Certain things will happen. I, I named them on Sunday. Number one. You are spending time with God on a regular basis. In prayer and in the word. Number two, your priorities for living changes. Your priority changes. Amen? Number three, you understand that God loves you unconditionally. How else are you going to know it? Only through the scriptures and the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And of course, you are no longer moved nor act based on your emotions. So when a man looks at you in a funny way or a woman looks, a woman turns you down, you, your world don't fall apart. It doesn't fall apart. If it's falling apart, it's because something's wrong with your armor. We are looking to have our needs met by a man or a woman 
when they, those needs should be met in and by God. Amen? <laughs> so that's the foundation. Being single and being whole. Now, of course, being whole is a process. You just don't get whole in one day. It's a process. A process of knowing God, following God, obeying God, hearing the Holy Spirit, and walking with him on a day-by-day-by-day basis. Yeah. It's a process. And then, of course, we're there with the tough questions. And then we're there with how do you know? How do you recognize who your mates are? So um, let me just take a pause. We're going we're gonna to pray, but if anybody has any questions, I think the, very, the most important part is this issue, issue of wholeness, which, which I, I thought I, I, I addressed. But if anybody has any questions or comments, I'll take them. Any questions? Gail, you have a question? You're, I see your face. Are you sure? Guys, talk to me. Yes. Hold on, hold on for the mic. You talked about when we born into the world, we're limping because of sin. Yes. And then at this time, you're talking about being whole. Yes. So how do you graduate from the limping stage <laughs> to being whole and complete? Okay, good. So Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the Bible tells us also in uh, that Romans chapter 3 and Romans chapter 5 that uh, Jesus Christ is the gift of God to us and that he came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly and that through his death, you and I have the ability to be regenerated and be redeemed. So the way you go from limping to becoming whole, number one, the person must be born again. Must be born again. Through the atoning sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, the sin issue is dealt with. Sins are forgiven. Jesus took upon our sins so that we can take on his righteousness. There was an exchange that took place on the cross. He took our sins and he gave us freely his righteousness. And at that point, every believer in the spirit is complete. But this is a challenge. What Jesus done, what Je- rather, what Jesus did, instantaneously results in a man or a woman that's whole instantly. The Bible says 2 Corinthians 5:17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, it's a new creation. All things are passed away. The limpings are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. So what happens though is, because man is three parts. I have a, I'm a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. What Jesus did happen in my spirit, but my soul, which is my will, my thinking, my emotion, has to catch up with what's already finished. Okay, let me, let, me, let me say it a different way. When you become born again, if you used to like to drink Heineken, what's, what's an American brand beer? Budweiser. Budweiser, thank you, that's better. 
So if, if, if you are Budweiser fan, the minute, instant you get born again, you don't dislike Budweiser. It's, it's, it's the Budweiser. Okay? Your spirit no longer wants it. But your soul understands what it is, still desires it, has an appetite for it. So when you're, when, when you, when you're a sinner, if a sinner, okay, if, if, if let's say, if, if, if a sinner is four feet tall, you get born again, you don't become five feet. You see yourself. What has happened is inward. So your, the rest of your life now has to catch up with that reality. So as, as, a, as, as a natural man, you are getting dressed, you look at a natural mirror, and that natural mirror shows you a reflection, okay, your glasses need to be adjusted, you need to put some more stuff on your face. So you take care of that because you see it. You see a reflection of yourself in your, in your mirror. In the spirit, there is no mirror that can show your, your, your heart. So the only mirror that you have to see what God has finished in you is his word. The Bible is the spiritual mirror that tells me and you what we need to be like, what we need to look like, and how we need to do it. <laughs> Mommy's giving me a high face. <laughs> yeah. So the, so the Bible is what helps you to know what I should I be like. So that's why you need to read it. That's why Paul tells Timothy, all scriptures is given by the inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction. I was just telling Revelation tonight. There were some things I believed two days ago that I no longer believe them. Just two days ago. Just, just barely two days ago. Why? Because I've read in the scriptures and I've seen some things that I, I didn't see before. I don't want to open a kind of warm. I, 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 I can throw it out here, but I, I don't want to sit down here and have an everlasting. But it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. But do you, do you understand what I'm saying now? Does that help you? You're welcome. Anybody else? Okay, now, so I'm going to become the, you guys, I'm going to throw the questions out that you guys are going to answer. <laughs> ah, no. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I, could, I looked around. I don't think I found any 18 through 24-year-olds, and I'm looking everywhere, but, Correct. you know, they're lost. <laughs> but, you know, their apologies. Um, there was an example you set forth that um, had me just thinking and thinking and thinking. It was the one about the man who was really on fire for God and, you know, everything like that. Yeah. And so I started thinking, you know, a lot of some of the times when I discuss with these kids, one of the questions that they, not kids, but young adults, one of the questions that we just kind of throw out, we talk about is people change. You know, in, in their, I guess from what they've seen growing up, especially in the church, most of them, they see men and women of God who they say change. So maybe he might have came in as a fire, you know, fire for God kind of man. And then they notice that, you know, their auntie married this fire for God kind of man. <laughs> then a year or two into this marriage, auntie looks miserable. And then they're starting to wonder, well, how do I not 
go through the same thing. So it's not really a question. And what I always tell them is whether or not people change, you still have to grow. We as human beings still have to go through our tests to get our own testimonies. So maybe auntie is going through her test right now so that her testimony will come. And unfortunately, it has to be through her marriage. It could be through her job. It could be through her children. But everyone has their own test and has their own um, you know, stories. But I guess the question part of it is, when I say it, it makes sense on the outside when I'm saying it out loud to them and, I, and I'm trying to encourage them. But how would you, if you had to answer that question, so let's say 18-year-old you know, or 24-year-old who's looking and saying, I'm trying to do everything right. I'm trying to be whole. I'm trying to read my Bible, study my word, and I'm trying to look for or I'm, I'm waiting for that person who looks good on the outside or at least, you know, they, they, they have all those, the faces, the, the things you've mentioned. But I'm also afraid that once I get married, they might change and they might become like my uncle who married my auntie and now she's miserable, you know? So, like, how do you, how would you answer that? Well, first of all, I'm going to tell them to stop looking at everybody else. That's a problem. Because when you start looking at everybody else, nobody's perfect. You look hard long enough, you're going to find something. So, so that's why the Bible says to us, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus is the author and the finisher of our, not anybody else. And Paul also admonishes us, run your own race. You can't look at any other couple, any other, because you don't, at the end of the day, you don't know what's happening when it does have lot. Yeah, even the ones you think, oh, wow, this is honky-dory, this is awesome. Ah, oh, man, I'd like to be like them. Oh! <laughs> when you get them, you say, oh, what did I bargain for? So you should do that. This is why I take people back to this fundamental. All scriptures is given for the inspiration, from the, by, by the inspiration of God. It, it's, it's boils down to that. It boils down to that. Just walk that straight and narrow. Let Jesus lead you. Let him guide you. And when we, when, when we are really whole, even when my brother's having challenges or my sister's having challenges and I, I actually see them, I can see it without taking it in. Does that, does that, does that make any sense? Do you know what we have to do in that room as a pastor or as a counselor, as an elder, talking to people, different people, different issues? If I had to take on those issues, I'd be, I'd be hunchback. I'd be, I'd be like, the weight, because people deal with really, really but, but, but the grace of God there is, it protects you. You can hear things, you can see things, and to the pure, all things are pure, and so, after it's all done and good, you don't even look at those individuals by what you heard. How God does that, I don't know. But I'm telling you, it's, it's a reality. It's a reality to know that this person did that or that person did that, and you see them next time, next day, and you don't even, it, it, the thought doesn't even come to your mind again. At least that's, that's what happens with me. But it's It's real. But it goes back to the fundamental, learn the scriptures. Not just learning it. We need to be like Ezra, chapter 7, verse 10. To seek the law of the Lord our God. To live it and then to teach it. So what I'm saying is, it's not just a matter of learning the root of letters. 
But learning it from the perspective of Holy Spirit helped me to live out what, what you're teaching me. Because at the end of the day, he's the one, that li- li- he's the one that's living through us. None of us can do anything. He's the one that's living through us. But we must yield ourselves and say, Holy Spirit, I'm here. Live out through me. I tell you, it's, it's exciting. It really is. Amen? But thanks for that input. So tell those young people, redirect them back to God. Uh, just, were they in the sanctuary on Sunday? Yeah, because we send a mail and everything to. Yeah. The reason this is so important, the, the issue of being single and whole, because if we miss it at that level, yeah. I can tell you, I can predict what will happen if and when they get married. It's predictable. And unfortunately for the younger people, they're trying to re-engineer the mathematics. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Two plus two is four. There is no amount of Oprah Winfield, Dr. Phil, TMZ, Hollywood that will change that equation. So anytime I see two plus three and you're telling me, tell me it's four, I know it's, not, it's wrong. And once... Even though you're calling it five or six, or uh, I say, Pastor, you guys are older generation, you just don't see things the way we see it. Two plus three here is, is, uh, is, is ten. And, and you come with a fancy answer to that equation. <laughs> so, so what happens is once the foundation is faulty, everything you're building on it, you're an engineer, you, should know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you guys are engineers. You know that once the foundation is faulty, you can build all you want. It's just a matter of time. It's coming down. It's coming down. It's coming down. And it's unfortunate because you, you, you see that from outside in. Say, ah, man, what you're about to do? Mm. It's, it's not going to work. But at that point, people just don't hear any longer. They don't hear. They just, they've made up their mind, this is what they're going to do. Nothing you say is going to de- deter them. Yeah. So that's, that's tough. That's why we always like to do the premarital, premarital counseling before people choose dates. Because when you cho- well, once you've chosen dates, what, what, what are you coming to counseling for? What you're saying is, we already, we're going to do it. Just finish, okay, finish your grammar, finish your talk, finish, finish. We're going to do all that. Yeah. So, it's always good to, okay, no other questions or comments? All right, all let me do, please. We're going to activate a new one tonight. Fifteen minutes, less than fifteen now. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Uh, can we get up and let's pray, please?
<laughs> Praise God.